I probably would have said no if I hadn't just had the most epically bad week of my life. It started out well enough. My team had been working round the clock on our current software project, and on Monday we finally delivered the first released candidate to QA. Granted, it was just a project management app for the company's oil field operations, but it was still a good feeling to know we were closing in on the finish line. Like a lot of software projects, the original estimates had been wildly over-optimistic, and what was originally supposed to be a ten-month project was now in its fifteenth month. But another few weeks of bug-fixing would see it finally finished, and we all agreed it was going to be nice not to have our managers riding us to work sixty-hour weeks anymore. On Tuesday, management announced that they were pulling the plug on the project. It was too far over budget and apparently the executives didn't believe us about being almost done. So the last year and a half of my work got flushed down the drain because some pointy-headed boss wanted to cover his ass. Needless to say, I was not a happy camper. On Wednesday, they announced that the whole team was being laid off. The company had decided to outsource future development to some outfit in India, that was already happily making impossible promises about future costs and delivery dates. Most likely, they'd just bill lots of hours and deliver crappy code for as long as the company was dumb enough to keep paying. But whatever happened, it wasn't my problem anymore. I had a month of severance pay coming, which was one nice thing about being a senior developer instead of one of the junior guys. But the layoff was effective immediately and security was on hand to oversee the whole team as we packed up our cubicles and turned over our company laptops before being escorted out of the building. Wouldn't want some disgruntled employee doing something nasty to the network, after all. It was barely afternoon when I found myself unexpectedly on the road home, wondering what I was going to tell Amanda. I needn't have bothered. I opened the door of my little suburban home to find my wife of three years bent over the couch, being enthusiastically serviced by some guy I didn't know. Needless to say, there ensued a great deal of shouting. You might think that a woman would be ashamed to be caught cheating like that, but Amanda's rationalization skills proved equal to the occasion. While Stud Boy made his retreat, she loudly proclaimed that her actions were all my fault, because I worked too much, didn't spend enough money on her, and generally failed to deliver happiness to her on a silver platter. I actually had to leave the room so I wouldn't punch the bitch. But that turned out to be a bad idea, since it gave her a minute to call the police and give them some sob story about a domestic disturbance. In our enlightened state, the police take such calls very seriously. The current policy is that the male on the scene is automatically arrested regardless of circumstances, just in case he turns out to be a spouse abuser or something. So the last I saw of Amanda was her smug expression as they hauled me off for a night in jail. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Who ends up in an overnight holding cell these days? Violent drunks, vandals who were probably gang members, some pimp who was beating a hooker in public, a random assortment of drugged-up kids, and insane street people. Great company. It's a good thing the cops take your valuables before they lock you up or I'd have been mugged for sure. As it was, I managed to emerge the next day with nothing but a couple of bruises and an expanded vocabulary. But I couldn't go home, 
because the restraining order was served before I even got out of the building. Surprised? I certainly was. I always thought you needed some sort of finding of imminent danger to get one of those things. But no. Apparently my being arrested on a domestic disturbance call is enough to get the judge to rubber stamp the application. Good thing I'd had my wallet on me when I was arrested, or I'd have really been in trouble. I managed to find a lawyer and get an appointment for the following day, since things were obviously going to get messy at this point. But the news wasn't getting any better. He told me Amanda would almost certainly get the house, which I'd almost finished paying for, along with half our assets and five or six years of spousal support. Oh, and add in another twenty or thirty grand for legal expenses. Good thing we didn't have kids. I was halfway back to the motel from that meeting when some asshole in a pickup truck blew through a red light and broadsided me.